Psalm 136. It can be found on page 626 in the Bible. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, his love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens, his love endures forever. Who spreads out the earth upon the waters, his love endures forever. Who made the great lights, his love endures forever. The sun to govern the day, his love endures forever. The moon and the stars to govern the night, his love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, his love endures forever. And brought Israel out from amongst them, his love endures forever. With a mighty hand and outstretched arm, his love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder, his love endures forever. And brought Israel through the midst of it, his love endures forever. But swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea, his love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, his love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, his love endures forever. And killed mighty kings, his love endures forever. Sihon, king of Amorites, his love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, his love endures forever. And gave their land as an inheritance, his love endures forever. An inheritance for his servant Israel, his love endures forever. He remembered us in our low estate, his love endures forever. And freed us from our enemies, his love endures forever. He gives food to every creature, his love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, his love endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is taken from John chapter 3 and can be found on page 1066 of the New Testament. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is the word of the Lord. going to invite Bethany up to um, come and speak to us um, today. On, can you hear me? Is that all right? And have you got my slides? Here in a minute. Great, thank you. All right. Um, hello, good morning. My name's Bethany. Um, this is actually the first time I've given a sermon in church. For a good 15 years or so. 
Um, and there's a lot of people here this morning, so please be very gracious. Um, when I told my husband, Richard, that I was really nervous because I hadn't preached for a really long time, his response was, darling, you preach at me every day. <laughs> so um, if it's all right, I'm just going to pray before I speak. Um, Lord God, thank you that you've brought us all here this morning. And we pray that you would open our ears and open our hearts to hear what you have to say to us. And please bless the words that come out of my mouth. May they be from you and for you. Amen. So I'm starting by putting a Hebrew word on the screen. Um, does anybody know what this word says? Any? You know. It does indeed. I wasn't expecting that. All right. Can everyone try saying that then? Chesed. Yeah. Um, so sometimes it's written in English as chesed or chesed, but apparently you're actually supposed to pronounce it like you've got a tickle in the back of your throat and you need to cough. So um, try that again with that in mind, preferably without showering everyone around you in germs. Chesed. Um, so why am I talking about this obscure Hebrew word this morning? Well, you might have noticed that the content of the Bible reading today, the psalm, Psalm 136, is quite repetitive. Um, it, every other line, it repeats the phrase, his love endures forever. But if you were to read this psalm in different translations of the Bible, you'd actually find some quite significant differences. Because in the original Hebrew, it is in fact God's chesed that endures forever. So trying to understand the meaning of the word chesed seems integral to understanding the psalm. Um, most of my knowledge about this word, I don't speak Hebrew, um, comes from the short um, podcasts and YouTube videos done by the people at the Bible Project and by Tim Mackey. Some people might have heard of them. I find them really helpful um, when I'm trying to understand biblical concepts. Um, but what they say is that this word is difficult to translate into any language because we just, we just don't have this word in English. But it combines the ideas of love, generosity, and enduring commitment into one. It describes an act of promise-keeping loyalty that is motivated by deep personal care. The word chesed is actually used nearly 250 times in the Bible in the Old Testament, over half of which are in the Psalms. And in the Psalms, you'll find the words translated in any one of these, depending on which translation of the Bible you happen to read. We've got faithful love, steadfast love, tender love, loving kindness, mercy, loving devotion, gracious love, kindness, loyal love, faithfulness, or just love. But I think that the word love is a fairly ambiguous word in the English language. It's an emotion. It's something that we feel. And it's also something that can be applied very differently in different situations. I love chocolate. I also love my children. But they're not the same. And don't judge me for saying this. There are some days when I like chocolate an awful lot more than I like my children. Um, one of the biggest arguments in our house at the moment is when we serve them dinner on the wrong color plate. The two of them argue they both want the light blue plate. We have two blue plates, but it has to be the right shade of blue. So no matter how much effort I put into preparing a lovely meal for them, they both wail and cry like the world is ending. Um, but chesed, on the other hand, is about action and not about feeling. It's about an action that seeks the well-being of another person, regardless of how they respond to me, because I made a promise. And I do have that kind of love towards my children. 
I'm their mother. It's my job to make sure that I continue to provide for their needs physically and emotionally, often in a way that's fairly sacrificial, because that's just my job. That's who I am to them. And there are various stories in the Bible where God is described by the person in the story as having chesed. But then in Exodus, one of the books at the beginning of the Bible, we see God use this word to describe himself. So we read this story where Moses goes up this mountain, Mount Sinai, to receive God's um, covenant rule for his people, including the Ten Commandments. It's actually the second time he's done this because he smashes the first set in anger when he comes down the mountain to find all of the Israelites worshipping this golden idol. And then he pleads with God on behalf of the people, first of all for God's forgiveness, and then for his presence to go with them, which God agrees to. So this time, up on the mountain, we read that when the glory of the Lord descends, God reveals who he is to Moses. It says, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, or Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in chesed and faithfulness. And then not an awful lot longer after that, we read in the book of Numbers that the Israelites then get scared of the surrounding nations and start doubting that God can protect them. So they threaten to kill Moses and appoint a new leader to take them back to Egypt from where God has literally only just rescued them. And God is hurt and angry. But Moses cries out to God on behalf of the Israelites, asking God to forgive the sin of these people because of your great chesed. He's not asking God to forgive them because they deserve it or even because God feels like it, but because it's consistent with who he is with his chesed. And this is actually quite profound, particularly when you compare it to the concept of gods that the ancient Israelites would have been surrounded by, changeable, unpredictable gods who needed to be placated in some way and were separated from humans. But the Israelite god, Yahweh, was this unchanging god who entered into covenant relationship or commitment to his people and continued to be faithful to them even when they repeatedly turned their backs on him. So then this attribute of God goes on to become this phrase of thanksgiving used by the Israelites when they worship God. So apart from the 128 times it's used in the Psalms, it's also found several other times in the Old Testament wherever there was like an act of public praise coming from the people. So um, we've got King David who uses it as part of this song of praise when he appoints the Levites or God's priests to worship God in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Um, And then in in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, when the Ark of the Covenant is finally brought into the newly built temple under King Solomon, we read that the people praise God by saying, he is good, his chesed endures forever. And that then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. So essentially, God's overwhelming glory descends as his people start declaring who he is a good God whose faithful covenant-keeping love endures forever. But one of my favorite stories involving this phrase is in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And the story goes that there's this great army of other nations who've come to wage war against God's people in Judah. And God's people cry out to the Lord. And there's this great assembly of all the people, and their king Jehoshaphat prays, saying essentially, um, you're our God, Uh, you are all-powerful, you gave us this land as part of your covenant with Abraham, And we believe that you'll hear us and you'll save us. But we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. 
And God then tells them it's not their battle to fight, it's his, but that they need to march out against this enormous enemy army, which makes no earthly sense, but they do it anyway. But what King Jehoshaphat does is he actually appoints worshippers to march out in front of the army, declaring this phrase, give thanks to the Lord, for his chesed endures forever. And the story goes that at the moment that they start singing this, the enemy army actually turns on each other and completely annihilates each other so that by the time God's people turn up to do battle, there's no one left to fight. So going back to Psalm 136, we see that this phrase is repeatedly alternated with some awesome things that God has done. The psalmist marvels at God's majesty. He talks about the way he made the heavens, the waters, the light, the moon, the stars. And then he goes on to mention some very specific things in the history of the Israelites, the story of how he rescued them from Egypt, parting the Red Sea, defeating the evil Pharaoh, and then leading them through the wilderness and defeating their enemies to bring them to the land that they were now living in. And all of these things um, were essentially things that God had promised to do because of his covenant with them. But why does the psalmist recount these things? I think the most obvious answer to the question is that it's thank you. It's, it's, it's good to say thank you to God for these gifts and for coming through for his people in amazing ways. And today, being Father's Day, we say thank you for the father figures in our lives. And we've also joined with Scarlett's family in saying thank you to God for her life. All good things come from God, and it's good to say thank you for them. But I think that there's more to it than that in this psalm. I think that recalling the things that God has done helps the psalmist and helps us to remember that God is who he says he is. Remembering the mighty miracles that God had done for his people was a reminder that he was real and that he was their good and faithful God. And I don't think that the psalmist is so much saying, God, you're good because you did all these things for us, as he is saying, you did all these things for us because you're good, because of your chesed your promise-keeping, faithful love. And this is actually a practice that I found really helpful for me over the last year. Um, I think some of you are already aware that last August I was diagnosed with an aggressive form of breast cancer. Um, I've gone through surgery, I've gone through chemotherapy, and I'm currently in the middle of a few weeks of radiotherapy. I'm also due to be on various other nasty drugs for quite some time with a view to reducing the risk of the cancer coming back. To make things a bit more complicated, my day job is as a palliative care doctor. So I very much see the worst end of the spectrum when it comes to cancer. And that adds another complicating factor to the psychological toll of being given this diagnosis, especially with two very young children. But I'm also really blessed to have had a personal relationship with the God of the Bible for as long as I can remember. And therefore, I have my own stories of the outworking of God's chesed in my life. I have enough stories to speak for two hours, but for the purpose of making this point and so that people can get home in time for lunch, I've just picked one to tell, and it's the one that makes me sound vaguely interesting. And I apologize for those of you who've heard it already. Um, <coughs> This one is that when I was 18, I went to Kenya on a gap year, and I lived in Nairobi in a fairly dangerous place, and I traveled around the city on um, buses called Makatu. And there was this particular day 
where I felt absolutely gripped by the sensation of impending danger and the sense that this impending danger was going to involve guns. And I prayed and I prayed and I opened up my Bible and it happened to open up on Psalm 91, which is a psalm that speaks of God's protection. That afternoon, I was on the outskirts of the city with a large number of Kenyan friends and we were due to go to the um, middle of the city, the centre of the city, for an overnight church meeting. And I was getting more and more agitated as the afternoon turned to evening, knowing that it became really dangerous to travel once the sun had gone down. And I tried to, um, like, round everyone up to get the buses before it got dark, and I tried to communicate my anxiety, but no one seemed to share anything. They just thought I was a bit mad. And I specifically remember sharing my anxiety with this one Kenyan guy and him saying to me, stick with me, you'll be fine, I carry a gun, um, I carry a knife. And I said to him, but what if they have guns? And he responded, don't be silly, they won't have guns. So anyway, we ended up catching a bus after sundown, much to my dismay. And after we'd been traveling for a while, the bus came to a stop. And then there was a deafening bang, and somebody screamed, get down on the floor. So we all hit the floor of this bus. I just assumed that we were being hijacked. I was like, this is how we're going to die. God told me this was going to happen, and I didn't get everyone on the buses in time, but maybe he knew that was going to happen, and he told me so I could pray to him, and at least I'm right with God, and I'm going to die. After that, there were countless bangs. None of us had any idea what was going on. But I was with another British girl who absolutely hysterical, like screaming and crying, shouting out that we were going to die. And at this, just this calm came over me, and I started praying on the bus, and I started declaring, no, we were not going to die, we were going to live. And I started recounting what I could remember of Psalm 91 at the time, about God putting his angels in charge of us to protect us wherever we go. We need not fear any attacks during the day, we need not fear any dangers at night. A thousand may fall dead beside us, ten thousand all around us, but we will not be harmed. And then the bus just took off. The following day, we read in the newspaper how a car of men had been stopped at a roadblock and the police had opened their car to find it packed full of guns and grenades. So they arrested these guys, but what they didn't realize was that there was a second carload of men who were in the party and they came back to rescue the first lot and started this gunfight with the police and, and they were throwing grenades. And as far as we could work out, what had happened is they'd stopped our bus to use it as a shield in this fight. The newspaper said that 150 bullets were fired. Eight policemen got shot. But apparently our bus was only hit once on the wing mirror and no harm came to any of us. So I found it really helpful to remember stories like this. And I do have lots of others. Um, To remember examples of God's chesed to me in my own life and give thanks for them because they remind me that the God of the Bible is actually real. They give me faith in who God is and hope for what he has planned for me and is able to do in my life. The stories of things that happened to me remind me that God exists and if that God had chesed in my life all those years ago, he still has chesed in my life today because his chesed endures forever. He does not change in the way that we do. His loving kindness and faithfulness does not wax and wane. And there have been times for me recently where things have seemed really dark and hopeless. 
But thinking of that battle story in Chronicles, I just kept repeating the phrase, God is good and his faithful love endures forever. And as I've gone through this journey declaring this, I've actually gone on to collect many hours worth of um, more stories of God's hesed in my life, which when you put them together are actually more exciting than a gunfight story. And I've shared some of these often quite bizarre, convoluted, miraculous stories with some people in the congregation already. And when I think back to that battle story in Chronicles, I wonder, did God win the battle because people proclaimed that his hesed endured forever? Or did they proclaim that God's hesed endured forever because he was about to win the battle for them as like a statement of faith? And the conclusion that I've come to is that both of them, the answer is yes. I think there's something powerfully prophetic in declaring who God is. And because he always is who he is, when we give thanks to God for who he was and what he did, we're filled with faith for who he will be and what he will do in the future. And that's to be someone who is full of hesed, faithful, gracious, loyal, steadfast, kind, which will outwork itself in our lives and in the world around us when we, when we choose to hold on to and to declare the truth of God's hesed over and above what we see. And the entirety of the Bible is essentially one big, long story about God's chesed. God made this promise to Abraham right back in Genesis that he would make him a great nation, i.e. the Israelites, and that through this nation, all nations of the world would be blessed. And then most of the Old Testament is the story of God's chosen people and how he remains steadfast to them in his loving commitment to them over many centuries, despite the fact that they repeatedly forget him and what he's done for them. But because of these promises that he started making back in Genesis, and then throughout the Old Testament, because of his loyal love for them, and for his whole creation, we then see in the New Testament the fulfillment of this promise, when out of this Jewish nation comes the physical embodiment of God's chesed in the person of Jesus, where God himself comes down in human form, to die for his people, not because they deserve it, but because of his chesed. <clears throat> and we read in the New Testament reading today, the famous scripture that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him shall not die, but have eternal life. And then just as verse 23 of Psalm 136 says, he remembered us in our lower state, or our weakness, and his chesed endured forever. In the New Testament, Paul writes to the Romans in Romans chapter 5. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And that's what we celebrate and declare through baptism, which we've been celebrating with Scarlett today, publicly identifying with Jesus' death and his resurrection, which was the ultimate outworking of God's chesed for us. So to finish, I want to challenge us to do what is a daily struggle for me at the moment, and that's make a conscious effort to give thanks to God and to declare that his chesed, his faithful love, endures forever. If things are going well, thank God for his chesed. If things are not going so well, thank God for what he's done before and thank him for his chesed 
as a declaration of faith in who he is, even in the midst of confusion, and what he can therefore be trusted to do when we put our trust in him. I think the worship team are going to lead us in a song now declaring that. I just want to pray as they, as they come up to do that. Um, Lord God, we thank you that you are a good and faithful God whose steadfast, loyal love endures forever. Please help us to declare that every day over ourselves. And as we go about doing that, would we see that you're not a liar and that you are indeed who you always were and have always promised to be. Amen.